So what I'm going to do this morning is um, we're going to have a sermon. We're going to have a sermon. But before I start the sermon, I want to give uh, my reflections on St. Louis. First of all, um, St. Louis, I really like visiting St. Louis. They've got really lots of, of good ethnic restaurants and beautiful architecture and parks and museums. I'd recommend that you visit St. Louis for an extended weekend or a short week. It's, it's a place to go, so that's what I want to say. <laughs> now on to General Conference. What happened at General Conference was tragic and short-sighted and arrogant and self-righteous and un-Wesleyan and un-Methodist. I had a fear that we would... I had a fear that we would shoot ourselves in the foot. Instead, we shot ourselves in the head. Like you, I've had lots of thoughts. <clears throat> I'm not sure I have thought all your thoughts, but I've had thoughts. Among them are... I would never join a group, I'd never join a club or an institution that said, we're homophobic, please join us. I wouldn't do it. And so I think, why would I join the United Methodist Church? Why would I stay in it? I just wouldn't do it. And I think many of you are having that thought. I think on apportionments, a portion of your offerings that go to the general church, the conference, and the district. I'm thinking, why would we pay our apportionments? Shouldn't we be escrowing at least a part of our apportionments? Do we want our money to go to this? People have been hurt. And part of me wonders if all we accomplished in St. Louis was just to hurt more people more. And, you know, you can figure out I'm a straight white male. I can't imagine what it's like every four years to hear it's getting closer, it's getting closer. Maybe next four years you'll be accepted. Maybe next. Be patient. Be patient. I, I'm just not in a position, and I'm not arrogant enough <laughs> to tell you how you should feel when you feel marginalized again. It hurts. Susan and I were driving home from St. Louis. Boy, it's easy to drive home from St. Louis. You get on 70. <laughs> you know, we were listening to reports on the radio uh, about 
about the general conference, and they didn't make me proud. And I called up a minister friend of mine who, in this conference, and I said, you know, we really look bad. Look bad? We are And she was right. We did something bad. We can't possibly feel good about what we did. And I think of what she said, and I'm reminded of the prophets who said, love the good and hate the evil. And it's not love the good or hate the evil. It's love the good and hate the evil. If we just love the good without hating the evil, we just become kind of sentimental. And if we hate the evil without loving the good, we just become damned. And this week I've been wrestling with loving the good or loving the or hating the evil and I realize I've got to do both. There is good to love in the United Methodist Church. It hasn't been written about a lot, but two-thirds of the American delegates voted for the One Church Plan. Two-thirds voted for an inclusive church. That's something good to love. When we talk about apportionments, King Avenue has received apportionment money for its ministries from our conference and from the general church. Anna's salary when she was a resident was funded by the conference. When we started Stone Village Church, that was funded by the conference. Our campus ministry has historically been funded by the conference. That's good to love. When Bishop Palmer said yesterday in his simulcast that he would not engage in a witch hunt against LGBTQ plus ministers, and he would not engage in a witch hunt against ministers who have celebrated gay marriages, that was something good to love. Frankly, Colleen and I have been doing those weddings here for three years, so I kind of rejoice in that, <laughs> you know? And we're going to continue to do them. When almost all of the traditional plan that is so mean and so punitive Almost all of it has been gutted and declared unconstitutional by our judicial council. You know, that's 
good to love. There is evil to hate. And so we have to do both, and we have to be a people of both. We have to love the inclusion, and we have to hate the exclusion. I think maybe one of the thoughts you've been having, I've been having this thought, this week I'm embarrassed to say I'm a United Methodist. Oh, I can explain it. I like Wesley. I like a lot of things in Methodism. But I shouldn't have to explain myself. And I'm embarrassed to say I'm United Methodist. But I am proud to say I'm at King Avenue. When, we, uh, when I first came to King Avenue, and Colleen and I still get emails like this, People will contact us and say, is it safe to come to King Avenue? Yes, it is. It was, it is, and it still will be safe to come to King Avenue. You know, I got a, a contacted this week from the Columbus Gay Men's Chorus, and they were concerned that in light of St. Louis, could they still have the joy concert here at Christmas? Yes, yes, you know, and they eagerly sent us a contract immediately, you know. <laughs> and will the transgender service be here? Yes, and will, and will Catholics still practice here and still call this place home? Yes, you know, very little is going to change here. We're going to continue being who we are and what we are. It's not going to change. Now, here's my sermon. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I find it important to reflect on things biblically and theologically. It helps me understand where God is in events and in my life and in your life and in the church's life. And it helps me understand where I am in God's life and in God's ideas, and in God's yearning. So it's important to reflect, for me, theologically and biblically. So this is Transfiguration Sunday, and I thought, what a great Sunday to have after the tragedy in St. Louis, and, and um, to talk about transfiguration. So the text begins with, Eight days after saying these things, Jesus took them up a mountain. Eight days after saying what? Eight days before, Jesus had predicted his death at the hands of the religious leaders and his resurrection in the hands of God. And he went on to say, whoever would save their life will lose it. And those who lose their lives for my sake will save them. Jesus is talking about death and resurrection. And these are fundamental cornerstones to the Christian faith. And Jesus is saying death and resurrection is true for him and it's true for us. 
And it's great that we're doing communion today because we say it. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We are an Easter people. Now, something must first die in order for it to be resurrected. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a seed. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. I mean, we think about that passage around physical death, but it's true most daily, true in our relationships. You know, this pattern of death and resurrection. If one wants to have a life of sobriety, one must die to one's addictions. Resurrection follows death, but death has to precede resurrection. If I want to have a healthy relationship with someone, I've got to die to my judgmentalism and my self-righteousness, self-centeredness. I think of my mom's dying. Her death was prolonged. Her dying was prolonged due to her Alzheimer's. And we watched mom decline for many years. And toward the end, as mom was confined to her bed, the doctors would come in and say, if we did this operation, your mom would live six more months. If we did this procedure, your mom would live three more months. And my sister and I just said, enough, enough. Please let mom die so she can be reborn, so she can come to new life, so she can be resurrected, so she can become a new creature. What I'm getting at here is sometimes we can prevent the resurrection, we can prevent new life by resisting death and holding on for dear life because we only know that. Last class, maybe the last word I heard from a professor when I left seminary, when I graduated on my way out the door, the professor said, remember what Jesus said. Those who would save their life will lose it. And he said, that's true for the church also. And you're going to be pastors in a church and remember that churches that try to save their lives will lose them. And I realized when I was a DS how many churches try to save their lives. They're not going to change. They're going to hold the things as they were, and they die. They just remain that seed that's dead. But those that accept their death are resurrected and come to a new life and bear much fruit. And so here's what I wonder. In our denominational struggle that's gone on for years, are we preventing the resurrection by refusing to die? By trying to save our lives as it is, 
Does God have something new inside for both sides? But we're refusing to let it happen because we hold on to what is because that's all we know. I felt I was watching as I, I, I can't get this out of my mind, standing up in section 115 of the St. Louis Dome, watching the delegates on the floor. I felt I was watching the death of the United Methodist Church. And it gave me hope. For where there's death, there is hope. Sure, I was sad. Sure, part of me felt like the women gathered around the uh, watching at a distance of the crucifixion. But we're an Easter people. We believe in death and resurrection. Resurrection follows death. No death, no resurrection. Those who wish to save their lives will lose them. Now, I know what I just said is hard. And the disciples had trouble with it too. They had trouble with Jesus' death. They had trouble with their death. But the cornerstone of our faith is resurrection follows death. And death precedes resurrection. And so we have this transfiguration story of Jesus going up the mountain and his face shining. He's full of life. He's full of the Spirit. He's transfigured. He's transformed. And what I think God is doing here is saying, I know you're wrestling with death and resurrection. So I'm going to give you a picture of what resurrection looks like. And here it is. It's life. It's energy. It's fullness. It's light. It's all the things you want. I'm going to give you this vision so you know what you're shooting for. And so you can die and know what it'll be like. I'm going to give you a picture of a sober life so that now you'll be willing to die to your addictions. I'm going to give you a picture of a healthy relationship so now you can die and work on that. I think God gave us um, a picture of the resurrection at General Conference. (laughs) Some of you who streamlined it saw the speech that I'm going to talk about. Some of you have probably gone on YouTube to see it. Jeffrey Warren, who likes to be called JJ, is a student at Sarah Lawrence College in New York. He got up, and before he opened his mouth, his face was shining. He was radiant. I thought, here's some energy. Here's some life. This is what the future of the church can look like if we include all people. There it was. And he gave this amazing speech 
about resurrection. About three days later, Christ was resurrected, and the church can be resurrected out of this ugliness. I got a text from one of you while John Warren was speaking. <laughs> he just said, Go, gay boy. <laughs> and I thought, Yeah, go, gay boy. I have doubts about the future of the United Methodist Church. But I have a lot of confidence in a resurrected Methodism. I have a lot of confidence in a Wesleyan church. There's a future there, and I want to be part of it. I'm going to go to about any meeting that will talk about the resurrection of a Methodist Wesleyan church. It'll have a different body because the resurrected body is different. So it's not going to be the same, but it's going to be exciting. And it's going to be full of life and light and energy. Now act three. Peter wants to stay up on the mountain with the transfiguration where all the light and energy is. And Jesus says, nope, can't do it. We've got to go down to the valley. We've got to go down and be in ministry in the valley. Because Jesus says, there's a lot of ministry to be done between the transfiguration and the resurrection. And we need to be involved in that. You know? And what do they do? I mean, half of Luke's gospel is yet to come about their ministry between the transfiguration and the resurrection. Well, you know, Jesus heals. Jesus teaches. Jesus preaches. The disciples feed they irritate Jesus, they bungle things, they confront, they comfort, they console, they do the normal things of ministry. They practice resurrection and they practice new life. So it's not a surprise when it happens. What do we do between now and then? We do what we've always done. We're going to tutor we're going to collect rummage on Wednesday nights <laughs> and Sunday mornings. We're going to make bologna and cheese sandwiches. We're going to sing and we're going to ring and we're going to teach and we're going to learn and we're going to have plays and we're going to march in the pride parade and we're going to pray for each other and we're going to come out and we're going to help people come out. We're going to forgive and we're going to irritate each other and we're going to bungle and make mistakes and we're going to continue marrying people and we're going to visit in the hospital and we're going to die to what makes us less than human. We're going to practice resurrection. We're going to go to kids' teas and delight in them. We're going to keep doing what we've always done because we're King Avenue. We're not going to change because of this. Now, I'm getting close to finishing, and I want to say three things. What are we going to do? What are we going to be? And I want to tell three stories. The first is, I think it was 2004, when I was a district superintendent, and I was spending a lot of time uh, working with churches 
trying to get them to come to life and how could they come to life, yada, 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 that kind of thing. And I came to King Avenue for a weekend, one of the inclusive weekends. And I, I was here, uh, you know, Saturday. Um, you know, we had dinner in a member's home. Uh, we had heard speeches from King Avenue members. I came to worship to Morning Blend in an 11 o'clock service. And I was just blown away. Because, frankly, what it came down to for me is I saw the resurrected church. I saw the transfigured church. I saw a church full of grace, full of spirit, full of life. And I thought, this is what I want to go back to Dayton and tell other churches about. Here's what the resurrected church looks like. Go to King Avenue and learn from King Avenue, and you'll, you'll be resurrected too. The second thing, um, I was interviewed on Channel 6 Wednesday. It was for the uh, evening news. And um, I did good. I, I said... <laughs> I said, I said really good stuff. And, um, and when the interview aired, that good stuff wasn't, wasn't on. Now, as I was being interviewed, they, they interviewed me about where Achi stand. And, and um, the, 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 uh, the videographer just, he was, he was just going, Everything I said, he was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when we were uh, between, you know, setting other things up, you know, I talked to the videographer, and he, we talked about uh, King Avenue Church, and he said, you know, King Avenue Church has got it right. It's so important what you're doing. It, 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 it's how churches should be. You know? And I realized the reason why so much ended up on the cutting room floor, great interview, he was, you know, and it was just murky. Third thing. About two weeks ago, Colleen and I were invited to be on the board of Mosaic. Mosaic is a, is a project that's been funded by the uh, Center, Center for Disease Control. It is, uh, it is for non-conforming, non-binary, LGBTQ persons of color um, to prevent an, uh, HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases. It's for young persons of color between the ages of 13 and 29. And I sat in the meeting, which was really good and really hopeful, um, and we just, Colleen and I just didn't look like most of the group. And, and afterwards, I, I went up to the director and I said, this was a really good meeting and I really support your, your ministry. And I said, but, but I don't know why you invited us. I don't know why you invited Colleen and me. I said, look at Colleen. I mean, she's over 29. <laughs> yeah. And he just said to me, well, you're King Avenue. And he thought that was enough of an answer. 
And, uh, and he said, your church is important. It supports things like this. And we need you. Yeah. King Avenue is important. And it is needed. Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to practice resurrection. And we're going to continue to offer resurrection to all. And as the Bible says, all will be astounded at the greatness of God. So I'm just going to end with this. Go, gay boys. Go, gay girls. Go, gay allies. May it be so.